up? What's up, y'all? My bad. I'm super late. I had some work stuff to do. <laughs> Push me all the way back. <laughs> I was jammed up, man. I be feeling so bad, especially when you do all that to make the appointments and stuff. And then um, you can't make them. What's up, Marseille? What's good? What up? What's good? Shana, what's good? You back? You back in the clubhouse streets? I think so. What? I think I got a little bit of time today. Oh my god! Hey, <laughs> welcome back to Clubhouse. <laughs> Thank you. I took some time off too. I think I was probably I would do a room here and there, but I was off Clubhouse for about a good part of seven, eight months. So it's like a whole new app to me. Yeah, I'm seeing that. I'm seeing that. I was actually waiting for you to start this this conversation. So I'm glad. I'm glad you found time to to get on today. Look, I I um I think I had it scheduled for two fifteen East Coast time, and right when I was about to start it, it was like two thirteen, and um I got a message on Teams from work like, "Hey, you got time for a quick call?" And that quick call lasted until around three forty five. Oh <laughs> and Lord! Then, and then I had <laughs> and then I had work to do after that, man. The government, man. Never, never ceases to. Yeah, amazement. and actually, we're off this week. My entire company is off this week, so we did a um a wellness week, so no one is working, which is a good thing. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Could you talk to the Department of Defense? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that <would> really help. <sighs> What's up with y'all, man? I ain't um. I was just working on some trees, open a open a room to highlight you guys. Um, Boosie, what's up? Boosie, you there? Hey there, in a meeting, um, but I'm listening in to you guys. Uh, okay, I was trying to talk about your tree. You in a meeting? Uh, it'll be done in a few minutes if you're still here. It's all good. Yeah, I'll be here. I ain't sure. too much. Okay. Yeah, I'm just working on some trees, man. I'm in um for the room that I have next week. Uh, a really interesting story. When you see um the tree that I'm working on is um she's from Pittsburgh and her parents are from Pittsburgh, but one thing that I noticed was her grandparents are from Louisiana and Texas. And the second, you know, that migration in the 1940s, the second great migration, you see that Texas and Louisiana heavy to, you know, the West Coast, that Oakland, LA, Seattle, Portland, Denver, maybe even Chicago, but Pittsburgh was, um, it's very unique. So I'm just, um, I kind of sectioned off some work around this time to work on that tree. It's pretty cool when you see stuff out the norm like that. Because it's usually like, oh, you're from Chicago? Okay, well, your people came from Mississippi. Oh, you're from Baltimore. Your people came from Virginia or North Carolina. But that that big migration is pretty legit. Yeah, Pittsburgh would make me think, like, maybe military or um, working. What's the, what's the industry Steel. in Pittsburgh? Steel. Steel. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. My grandfather actually left Mississippi and went to 
Delaware before Chicago um, mm. because he had a relative living there. Mm. That's a, I appreciate it. That's what I needed to hear. I need to break down uh, all the siblings. Yep. I was going to do that anyway, but that's probably it. The siblings and then look at the neighborhood and the census where they lived and see if I could figure that out. In the room I'm doing on Thursday, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. My guy, um, he's from North Carolina, and he's just like, ah, oh, I think my, you know, my family came from like Florida, or South Carolina, or something. It's gonna be really fun when I tell him, yeah, you're from Charlotte. Your family's been in Charlotte for the last 150 years, and <laughs> they lived, in the, they lived in the same area. <laughs> so I'm gonna give him some places where he can go and. You know, talk about his last name. He always wondered where it came from and all that stuff. So I'm working on that too. And um I got a kid that's supposed to come back. Did anybody get that update yet? The estimate update? From Ancestry? Yeah, I think they're gonna update everything. Yeah, I saw so I got an email yesterday about their um their recent uh changes to like privacy and um their disclaimers what they own what you own all of that stuff usage rights i gotta read that yeah yeah it's pretty interesting that's what they said um i'm looking at it now it said our august 2022 update will add eight new regions check back soon for your update so are you so you walking around saying, oh, I'm Nigerian, I'm from Nigeria, it's gonna come back with a whole new country. People gonna be destroyed. <laughs> you know, you check those genealogy groups, they're like, oh my God, I thought I was from Ghana. <laughs> I went from 30% to 15, what am I gonna do? <laughs> Bro, you still yeah. you, you still you, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I um I actually I don't know if you if you've talked about this in your your other rooms, but I got the the fellowship for the state of Mississippi to go down and do family genealogy research. Oh, awesome! Yeah, when yeah. Do you start just, that? I'm doing it in November, so they give they allow you to choose which dates you want to go down. So I'll sit in the state archives for about four days and just do a lot of the a lot more research. I've I've gone back pretty far. All four of my grandparents are from Mississippi. So I've gone back pretty far, but there's some records that I've been looking for that it'll just give me some time to sit and 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 do the work and dedicate that time. But they um they cover everything. That's amazing. Yeah. We have yeah. to apply for it. You have to apply for it. Yep. Hmm. Gotta check that out. I'm gonna do something like that. Mm-hmm. When I got out the military in 2012, um, that's what I did for about four months was just travel. And I would go to like a town where my family's from and like get a hotel for like a week and just do research every day. And um, I did that for about four months up and down in Maryland, Virginia, um, like six counties in Virginia and Maryland. Maryland archives was like an hour away. So I went there all the time. 
So I got a lot of records, but you know, now that this was almost 10 years ago, it's a lot more that I've learned and I picked up and I think it's time to spin a block again. I think you should do it. Um, we're actually adopting a little girl from foster care um, and our adoption ceremony is coming up next month. And I told my husband, I said, um, my gift to her, she's, she's two now, but I told him, I said, my gift to her when she becomes of age is that I'll have her family tree completed her, for her biological family um, and give that to her after she graduates college. So I've started her tree and um, I've gone back to like the 1700s on her already, wow. which I haven't even been able to go that far uh, in my own biological family tree, my own tree. But for her, I've gone back to like the late 1700s. That's amazing. Wow. How was, how was, how was the adoption process for you? Did you have to like foster? Did you foster first or you just, you know, started? Yeah. Did the when you, when you, when you adopt from the state, um, from the department of family and children's services, you have to foster. They want to make sure that it's a, a good fit for the child first and a good fit for the family. So you foster for a good six months before you're approved. And so we've, we've had her for about eight months now. And it's a crazy story with how we, um, we got her because we live in Oregon and I don't know if you know, like the, the, the demographics in Oregon, but it's like 2% black in the entire state. And we were the only black family looking to adopt in the entire state in the last eight years. And she was the only black girl available for adoption um, on, during the time that we were approved. Wow. So it wasn't, so it was like you, um, you put in to, um, to adopt and you had to do the foster process. So it was actually, you went through the whole process and you kind of like went and met, met the child and said mm -hmm. you wanted to foster her. I always thought it was mm -hmm. like one of those, oh, how was they it? Don't, they don't allow you to meet the child. Oh. You look at a picture, the last thing they want is to have that um that anxiety of not being liked and not being chosen for the child so that's why they that's why they encourage you to foster if you're going to adopt from foster care that's why they encourage you to foster for six months first just to make sure that you're prepared for whatever um you may be dealing with and vice versa I always thought foster care was like one of the situations where they could just kind of like you sign up for it and they kind of put you through the gauntlet with sending you children to foster until you find the one that fits the best. Mm -hmm. um, I think, well, my ex-wife, uh, she grew up in uh, the foster care system and I think that was like her experience. So in my head, it's like, oh, wow. If I sign up for foster care, wanting to adopt. I may not know what's going to show up on my doorstep. They might send anybody to me. Right. So I always thought about that because that was kind of her experience. So my husband was adopted. Um, 
and his mother fostered his his adoptive mother fostered over 100 kids and then my mom my mother was a foster parent as well for us because we already had three biological children the 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 decision for us was we didn't want to foster multiple children before we decided what was the right fit for us because we didn't want to take our kids through that getting attached and you know things not working out or and that that process so for us fostering we made it known that we would only take in a child that was what they considered legally free that could be adopted um whose parents rights were already unfortunately terminated and everything is kind of in state so the child was from oregon as well or it could be mm -hmm. state. okay mm -hmm. yeah she was already she was already here and for for her i mean she was the she's the perfect fit our our seven-year-old is really happy our, she's really happy she's she came to us and she wasn't really talking now she won't stop talking um it's it's amazing to see what love and attention could do and the 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 trauma that it can break just by giving and this is not just for kids this is for us as adults too just by giving a little bit of love that's amazing thank you for sharing uh, everything that i've ever heard um through the you know foster care system i think being from baltimore you just dealing with the worst of the worst and saying the worst of the worst i had an mm -hmm. ex who was brought up in the foster care system and adopted by a good family but she went through the gauntlet and my ex-wife um her foster mother was actually her aunt and mm -hmm. it was more like a cash grab than actually like oh my niece is in the foster care system let's keep them in the family kind of situation so in my head it's like man i've kind of i've always wanted to do it when the time was right but i just wasn't sure because i knew um i i would eventually have the resources and that's always been on my heart since i was like a teenager so mm -hmm. especially having so many friends and people around me and like my ex-wife but yeah i just i wasn't sure about it so man this was ah, i know i'm late but i'm glad i opened the room because this was eye-opening i appreciate you for sharing no man. problem i'm just excited that i was able to do a treat for her because that's one of the things that you know children that go through the system um and even those that are adopted from other countries don't have is knowing their their biological lineage and so I'm I'm super happy that I'll be able to give that that gift to her when she becomes of age and is mature enough to digest um, all of the things that embody who she is. Look, I'm telling you, the, my guy Jay, um, I do the room with him on Thursdays. He's my co-host, but um, a lot of people know we went through that same the same situation you just said. Um, he was adopted. He was born with a blank birth certificate. Mother didn't give any information. He didn't even receive a name when he was born. And it just had 
the mother's married last name on that. That's the only information that was on the certificate outside of boy and the day he was born. And at three months, he was adopted out of Chicago and raised in Philadelphia. He had no connection, no knowledge, no anything. And when he requested all documentation, the um, family actually refused. They didn't turn in any information, and they asked not to be contacted. So um, in 2017, we got him to do a DNA test, and um, we identified his father passed away, but we identified his birth parents. And he had kind of like an Antoine Fisher reconnection story. It was beautiful. He connected with his 82-year-old grandmother. She said she prayed for him every single day. Um, his, he, couldn't, he connected with his mom. And he has like four or five brothers and sisters. But it, that was a four-year gauntlet. That was a process. A lot of slam doors. Um, a lot of dead ends. Um, when he first took the DNA test, the closest matches he had, he had four third to fourth cousins in the 120 and lower center Morgan range. So it was, you know, damn near impossible to scroll back. So, yeah, I appreciate you for um, not only sharing that, but doing that for your daughter, man, because that's, you know, all the questions are going to be answered. And now that you took it all the way back, um, now you can take the time over these years to dig into the details, the newspaper articles, the um, stuff that you could find and kind of build out their stories in their lives. So when it, when the time comes, you can sit down and just open that big book, like on Finding Your Roots and give her everything. Wait, that, that, that um. Antoine Fisher, hello. So I have a couple of questions for you, but I wanted to respond to Ray's comment about Antoine Fisher. Um, and greetings to everybody on the panel, uh, on uh, on stage and who is listening. Um, that scene in Antoine Fisher where he goes into the house and and he's getting he's meeting his grandmother for the first time. It was his grandmother, great grandmother. He's going to the center of the table where she's sitting. And I'm watching this movie and I'm remembering this experience as a child going to my father's mother's house, you know, as a child. And I, I kept, I was sitting there telling my friend, I was getting these chills. I said, she's going to touch his head. She's going to touch his head. I'm, I'm talking out loud like we do in the theater, black folks do. And of course, as soon as he got there, that's the first thing she did. She touched his head and my whole body just started to, like I just, that, that, that chill you get when something you have in a, a sense feeling, an emotional memory a blood memory experience i was having that experience watching that movie that's my favorite scene from that movie is when he when the grandmother touched his head it was an acknowledgement to the rest of the family that he was family and uh i love that movie i'm glad you mentioned that let's shot i have some questions so so i'm from oklahoma a native native of oklahoma through enslavement you know trails and i have a lot of relatives from a small town called paul's valley Believe it or not, who moved to Portland, Oregon, and I sort of like, and they moved in the '70s. So in the in the right around '71, '72, my cousins um, on both my mom and my dad's side, a lot of them moved to to Portland, and I still, for life, me, I can never understand why they left, and I was traumatized for a long time because I just, you know, felt like a piece of me was missing. These guys and girls that I played with every day. And all of a sudden, they they weren't there anymore, and so and we always laugh about that when we talk because we felt like 
you know, Steely and Nettie, because we had been separated for many, many years. It took well, maybe 20, 25 years before we all saw each other again after that, you know. And um, I, you talked about the, the percentage of black folks and, and, of course, the history of Oregon in the early, the turn of the, the, turn of the century and its racism and, it, you know, in some ways wanted to be an all-white state. I was just curious how you navigate that, um, that history. And uh, are these, these, or is any of that still kind of residue still present that you notice? Sorry, I, I will say that I've been here, um, we've been here as a family three years. And there, if you think back to like, we were here six months and then COVID hit we were also dealing with a lot of um, racial and social unrest during that time. So the Oregon that was, we moved out here for work, um, for our jobs moved us out here. And the, the Oregon that we were sold on is not the Oregon that we see right now. I think that during the pandemic and during um, George, George Floyd and, and all of the things that we were dealing with as a people, a lot of people took their mask off. And so we've, we've definitely, especially my kids, have definitely seen um, their fair share of racism out here in Portland. But the way that we navigate it now is, you know, I'm, I'm from Chicago and I think that white folks and black folks from out here, when they see a person that's not from here, they feel that energy. So not too many people deal with my kids in that regard, because I'll go to jail for mine. Um, and what I, what I will say is we've, we've actually built our tribe. We have a community of, of black friends first that have kids that are the same exact age as my kids, but then what I consider allies that, that speak the same language that we do so that they can get the diversity that they grew up in when we lived on the East coast. Um, because we moved from, from the East coast to Portland. And I grew up in Chicago. But what I to answer your question directly, it's still here. It's two percent black. You know, you got generations of white folks that have subscribed to that mentality of the fact that um, this should have been white utopia, and it's liberal and everything else but race. So I, so I, I want to touch and agree with you. First of all, uh, my nephew was out there. I just forgot about my sister's son. He was out there for maybe a, a year or two before he went further south uh, on the west coast but he was working on a farm and doing some some things um to do with and we always laugh about he's probably working on weed for him but we don't know what kind of farm he was working on out there but but i i want to um I, to, to sort of touch and agree with you i'm extending my hand in the air right now asking god to have that you know to have a head of protection around you and your family i strongly believe in what you said in the sense of you know identifying in my tribe so that 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 touched my heart, and so I, I hope that you stay, you know, strong and girded up. And you know, I know that you sound like a warrior, so a warrior wrist. So I know you're gonna protect your children. Uh, and ethnicity and identity is so important and so critical to formation. So uh, you sound like you got everything you need to make sure that that your children uh, know who they are and are clear about their identity and ethnicity and their culture and and have a sense of pride around that. So. So um, thank you for sharing. Thank you for asking. I learned a whole lot 
in a very short period of time, man. I'm 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 glad you welcome back to Clubhouse though. <laughs> hey. <laughs> That's exciting. I always felt like when I when my kids are like, you know, when I have, you know, we have our next one and you know, they're around seven, eight, nine, ten, I'll be like, all right, you know, let's 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 adopt like a three, four year old. Let's change, you know, let's that's something that I always wanted to do. And now I have context and clarity and how it's done because the only thing I've seen was is the worst of the worst. So I appreciate that. No problem. And and Dr. Mo, real quick, I want to give you just an example of, of the ugliness that exists in Portland and why I said I'll go to jail for <laughs> why I said I'll go to jail for mine. When we first when we first moved here there were slave trade games on the playground in my son's middle school, meaning the white kids were bidding on the black kids for fake money, like $500, I'll take him. And the entire school, there were only 12 black kids. Um, at the elementary school level, where my daughter would have gone, they hired a black principal from Detroit. And we live in a predominantly white area. Why? Because it's 2% black in the entire state. Um, and it's been it's been told to us and sold to us that it was a really good school and academically i think that it is but they hung a noose outside of the building when they hired this black principal during the pandemic meaning that there were no there were no students in the building and that noose was meant to send a message to him um so those are just two examples of what i mean when i say um i have to i have to make sure that they understand the type of black mother my kids have and that my community understands um, the how how we stand true and firmly and protecting ours. So I appreciate that. I for the life of me, this is a question that I I have never. So these are my questions to my relatives now. So so that moved there. And so let, let me. This is characteristically wise. They're all biracial, and their children are now biracial. Generations now, in the last forty years, are all biracial. Um, you know, they're coming to family, family uh, reunions now and, you know, two generations later or, you know, from the 1970s when many of them left and so to some of their kids, they might not even consider themselves black. So that's the first thing. Uh, that, but I never asked that question about why they left. And another question is most of them, they all became Latter-day Saints and that to me, to the life of me, when I learned about the Latter-day Saints, especially in the 70s when they thought black folks had tail and was still the devil and really didn't want us to have us any kind of leadership position in the church. I still can't get past that history. <laughs> so I still don't understand. And I haven't asked any of my family, any of those family members. I don't know if I feel like it would be uh, too, too defensive in my family. So I don't want to ask him that. But that is a general question that I have is that, that they moved and then uh, they almost, to me, they changed their religion when they moved. Correct me, the, and forgive my ignorance. Latter Day Saints is that Mormon? Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of Mormon out here, um, and I think that from from what I've heard, and I ask those questions to people just because you know I want to know from my own information who I'm in community with, and a lot of the Black people who moved out here that I've spoken with moved out here for work, so they moved out here for like the railroads and. Um, in the earlier 1900s, I guess mid 1900s, the 40s and 50s, they moved for um, the shipyards. Um, but I don't, and you do get a lot of 
mixed families that um, their children stop identifying as as black. Um, and I have my own opinions on that, which I, I won't publicly share, but that that's that's a big thing out here. LaShot, I'm so glad you caught that from the, from out the gate, especially the school activities, because that was like my, um, I give a brief story, I ain't gonna be too long, but that was my story in junior high because um, I had, um, got, I got into a little situation in the seventh grade where I was, you know, moved to a different side of town. These guys have been friends for years. We had bullies. I ended up beating up the bully. Uh, he was so embarrassed, he ran out of school. And um, he ran back into the class. Um, you know, my, my chair was facing the other direction. So he came in and grabbed one of those steel chairs and, um, you know, hit me through it and um, cracked the side of my head open. I almost died. And um, after we went through all that process, you know, the, the school system was like, look, We'll send them to, you know how they do. We'll send them to any school they want to. And my dad says, send them to the best school the city has, and I won't sue you guys. And they had to do some other things too. But they sent me to ex basically the school that you just described. Um, they had kids coming to school with swastikas on that backpack. And when they would get pulled to the side, the they will pull out a Native American book and say, I'm Native, and the principal will say it's okay. Um, I had nooses hung outside of my class because it was only like maybe 200 kids and like four black people, and like only two of us were really black. <laughs> you know, the other ones were kind of like blending in. So, you know, I would fight a lot. You know, they had um kid, we were in art class, and they made a clan doll, and you know, was showing me and I got up and I hit him in the face and I got suspended for two weeks and it kind of um, peaked um, in the eighth grade. I was on my way to football practice and these three white kids were kind of surrounding me and I had my helmet in one hand and my book was kind of laying on, my book bag was laying on the ground and these, um, you know, they picked up the book bag and they started throwing it back and forth and I just tried to grab it out the air and he pushed me backwards and said, stay you know, don't touch me inward. And I hit him and I end up breaking his nose. And everybody, you know, all the kids ran to back to the school and I ended up getting expelled and arrested. They said I beat him with my football helmet and threw him, tried to throw him in front of a bus. And so I had to go to court, go through all the processes. And when the truth came out, my dad got like the NAACP involved. <laughs> all of these things. And I ended up um, being reinstated back into that school. And I, you know, um, I ended up finishing up there. But just like you said, you checked it from the gate. And I think, you know, my parents, they, they did the best that they could. But, you know, I just had to, you know, go through that whole thing. So I'm glad your kids don't have to go through that because, you know, you check that <laughs> straight in the door. I had to, but I, I I will also say they don't go to those schools anymore. I put them in private school and I did end up um, getting media, local media attention and everything for, for my, my, my voice. And that to me was most important for my kids to see that you don't have to lay down and roll over 
when when people think that you should because you are quote unquote privileged to be in this neighborhood and in this in this school. Um, so for me, it was more so an example for my kids to know that there's a way that you can use your voice and be strong and be heard because um, it's important. And I'll, I'll, I'll put us back onto to genealogy and I'll share with you, like we published a family history book and my seven-year-old walks around with that book and goes through every single picture and every single story and tells me exactly what where her place is in that story and the strength in each one of those people. And what I'll say is living in an area that is predominantly white, I see the power and the strength in knowing your story that it gives to our children. And so my kids, they walk around with their heads up and they're proud to be black because they know that their story, although we do have a history of enslavement, their story doesn't begin and end with that. These people were real people and they tell their real stories. Absolutely. Hey, what's going on? Shout out to you, Lashada. Lashida, you know I can't say. I, I always forget how to say your name. You've been gone for so long. <laughs> but thank you for leading by example. And yeah, I said, yeah, baby, knock them out about yours. Because <laughs> ain't nobody else going to knock them out for you but you. And so, look, thank you for this room. Thank you for all this information and this knowledge. This is a great space. I I, I am learning a lot in here. And so I, I just wanted to just get it, come up here and, you know, give you um, your flowers now for standing up and leading by example, because we have to have more people, more mothers to lead by example and do what you have to do, you know, and, and there's a way to do it. I ain't going to much tell you no tale. I might have met them with some violence. I ain't gonna even tell you no tale, but I also know that I can whip them better with a pen. I can I can take that pen and whip anybody better because I know that if I do it that way, instead of you know with violence, that it it might stick longer. So I just wanted to come up here and just give you. That. Look, I got suspended ten times. <laughs> as soon as I heard the mm come off their lips, I was on them like white on rice. <laughs> Throwing hands. I'm like, <laughs> I promise you, I didn't play. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you caught him. So you know, your kid ain't got to do all that. Cousin Sam. Well, I, I, I wanted to see if Ray was six five in uh, in junior high. I'd be scared of him too. <laughs> Nah, junior high, I was around 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, so you were basically my height in, uh, in junior high. You were a big man, weren't you? Yeah, I was, you know, I was around the same height as my dad. You know, one thing my dad taught me, told me, and I did the same thing to my nephews, because my nephews are around that same size. He, when he had all of his friends over, um, he told he lined us up and told us to turn around and took a picture of it. And, you know, when he showed me that picture, he said, look, look at this. You can't tell who's who you can't tell who's the, you know, who's the adult or who's the child. So you have to be aware of how you move out here 
because a lot of people are not going to see a 13, 14, 15 year old. They're going to see a six foot man and react appropriately. So you have to be aware when you navigate. That's a great life lesson. I can think of um, no better stage to kind of say that lesson um, for those of us who are parents, grandparents, and would-be parents, um, that um, that we are those kids that people are afraid of. We were once those kids. And that's why I think that, you know, genealogy just needs another dimension. Do you know what I'm saying? It, it needs, um, we, we've always improved in our, our culture has always, you know, if everyone else is doing this, we're going to do this and this, whatever the need is. And um, I think hearing your stories, Ray and Shada, and, you know, and Shauna's stages, you know, you guys impart so much more than just numbers and dates and how to's. And I think it's so important that people, we begin to contextualize not just in the past, but in the present and find new applications for our research. I think LaShonda said her child uh, knows his place in history. And so many of our young people as evidenced on uh, Clubhouse uh, don't know their place in history. Someone that has not um, shared with them who they are and why they are. And so we can never grow tired in this. This is, to me, genealogy. This is genealogy. When, when we talk, tell the stories and we, we uh, contextualize both the past and the present, um, what that means. And that all those people live so that we could exist today. What a powerful testimony. Absolutely. I totally agree. Everybody has a job to play. And I think on Clubhouse, you kind of see it now. Everybody has their own lane. Nobody does the same thing. Nobody does the same rooms. Everybody approaches it differently. Um, you know, that's from my perspective. It's, you know, about the the MPE stories and the adoption stories. Um, I think that's that's one thing that always irritates me about the genealogy community because I feel like you can have a conference or a Zoom or any type of presentation and it not be mentioned. And if you really, really do genealogy like that and you DNA test it, you have your family DNA tested, you probably have it, have had a family member experience something like this. You learn about a family member nobody knows about or help someone um, who's experienced something like that. So... I just always feel like everything I do, I have to, you know, highlight those stories and those issues within the genealogy community because I've even been told by someone that they don't consider that genealogy. And this is somebody that has a name. <laughs> so, you know, I feel like it has a place and all genealogists have to learn more about it and how to navigate it and how to deal with something like that because it could be traumatic, you know, i.e., uh, last year, I met 72-year-old 70, woman. Um, I had my great-grandaunt tested. She's 93 years old. 
and this 72-year-old woman came back as a, a niece to her. She's like, I've never heard of the Strons before. I don't know these people. Um, my family is from, you know, this area in Baltimore, and I'm not sure what's happening. Could you please help me? Could you please explain it? You know, so I think it just takes a level of understanding, empathy, um, to be able to navigate this because, you know, all the, the glitz and glamour, learning who your ancestors, okay, I found my great-grandfather, I found him, I found that, but, you know, the devil's in the details, and uh, that's something that I'm super passionate about. I do rooms about, and I'm going I'm to I'm keep, that's, that's my lane, I'm going to keep pushing for it. And Ray, I have to thank you for teaching you know, not only me, but others, how to be sensitive about information that you, that, that we come across, things that happened, you know, to be guarded because, you know, like I said, I can tell that story currently about my 84 year old uncle. And, you know, there are different perspectives on what I should do about it. But at this time for me, I can't tell an 84 year old man that his daddy that he knew to be his daddy uh, was not his daddy. Just ain't gonna happen for me. But on the flip side, when you told me, you know, about your situation and when she said, how you going to make a decision for me? I, I've been grown longer than you. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I'm kind of torn a little bit. It's like, yeah, I'm making this decision for my uncle based on how I feel and because I don't want to do whatever. But, you know, you just don't know. But I do. I just would like to thank you for, you know, teaching me sensitivity and to look at things from all different sides and before you know i make that make a decision no problem at all and next time you don't have to be so short with your um thanking me and my compliments and all of that you could talk a little longer <laughs> next time right. <laughs> <laughs> you go to shenanigans hey no you know i got to I got to slide that in. I got my man. My man's in the audience, Dante. He's going to be on Thursday. Um, he's going to be on slide for the ancestors on Thursday, man. We're giving him his, you know, his first family tree. And um, been able to do some really great stuff. So I can't wait to talk to him about it, what I found. Um, I think it's really, I'm really, really excited about this one. You know, that's that's what it's about right there. Um you know, a lot of my friends, I always talk genealogy and I know you, and I know everybody uh, here knows, you know, you always talk of genealogy to people that are not interested or really don't understand it. And they just looking at you or you talk, yeah, at the family reunion, tell your family like, boom, 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 boom. And it's just looking like, oh my goodness, like this is above my head. So it's good to like break it down. And I uh, introduce people to their ancestors, man. I'm I'm super excited for Thursday. Right, I I do appreciate this platform. I just literally laughed out loud because I tell people all the time, "Tell me when I'm geeking out on you too much." This is like what I'm passionate about, and I start seeing people's eyes glass over. Like I'm talking, I'm going down family trees, and my excitement is is out there, and they're like, "Uh huh, uh huh." So this, these platforms are so important 
Um, and I know I took a I took an eight month break to to focus on my family and focus on work and some some other personal things. But this is this is actually fueling me. So these spaces of us that are are, are passionate about the same the same work, um, the people's work is is it it fuels me. It keeps me going. Shane, I was just gonna mention I have a similar situation in my family where I refuse to tell this person that their father is not their father because that that their father was is the was the pillar in our family and it is the person that they actually talk about the most. And who am I to say you are less than who you are? because you're not biologically connected to that person. Um, so I won't, I won't do it either. And I made that decision myself. And I don't know if that's the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do, but it feels good with my spirit and my soul. And the one thing I will say is that I do know who his um, father is. Um, and I only know that because my great aunt, his sister, I just asked her out, to, you know, like, look, do we, are we kent to some Dunbar's? And she was like, no, we ain't killing no Dunbar. Oh man named who Shelton Dunbar used to say he was Sam Daddy, but that wasn't Sam Daddy. But it was. Cause I can see all the Dunbars that he connect to and then one man said that. So at if the time comes after he's passed that his his children do a test and they realize whatever, whatever, I will be able to tell them who their family members are. Same, same for me. I have that whole other line of the family tree already done for whenever, whenever that conversation is, is brought up by someone other than myself. That's actually a room that I'm doing next week. <laughs> it's, it's called the new normal. And I'm talking to people just like what we're talking about right now. And I already got a nice little lineup for it. I'm excited to have more conversations about genealogy but centered around this because um you know like i said more people have to understand and um you know know how to navigate it because it could be like it's a shock and to hold on to that i'm holding on i've told a lot of people <laughs> i've told a lot of people but i've also held on to some stuff as well so it's kind of like a, you know i could sleep with um, not telling the two people. And I also could sleep with like telling someone that wanted to know and now they resent me for quote unquote destroying their life, even though they approached me about it. Um, it's kind of like, you know, sometimes you can't win for losing, but you got to be able to sleep with yourself at night. And I can for sure. We can't hear you, Boosie. I don't know what's going yeah, on with you your phone. You this in week. the tunnel or something? You in the back cave? Can you hear me now? I can hear you. Yeah, we can. Hear you okay. Now. So, so I was saying that it's a sticky situation to be in because I know you referred me to that NPE group on Facebook, and I look at a lot of um, comments of people who just discover that. The person on their birth certificate or the person they grew up with thinking was their dad wasn't really their father. And most of the sentiments I um, see on there, is those, they're very angry. They're angry that nobody shared information. They, was, um, they feel like time was stolen from them to be able to 
um, get to know who their biological parent was. And then they were angry about um, all the people who knew and never shared that information. So, you know, they felt like they were just being lied to the entire time and made to look like a fool. So I can see where that's a very sticky situation to be in. In all actuality, um, I just dealt with that. Well, not just dealt with that when with my brother that we actually found. My sister and I went to find my brother after going through all of that. Um, he grew up with a man, but he knew he didn't look like that man. And that man treated him a little different. He didn't find out that my father was his biological father until he was in his 40s, I think. So it became that. Um, we sought him out. We went to visit him. He thought we were there to see his wife or girlfriend at the time. He invited us in. We had long conversation. And then we just asked him if he knew who we were. And he was like, no, I don't. And I just looked at him and said, we're your sisters. And it took him five years after that day to even have a conversation with us again. So as you all were talking, I remembered my great aunt Helen and my her daughter. She was my mother's maternal aunt. And so she had two daughters, as I'm told, I was not born then. One of her daughters, Helen, the Helen of, oh gosh, I can't get name now. I'm gonna say Sandra, just for the sake of the story and privacy of Stephanie. Stephanie was uh, conceived a month prior to her mother marrying her father. And so her father that raised her, who I call her father, who was a man by the name of Mr. Walker, treated her like she was his daughter, actually treated her, gave her more than he gave their birth daughter, because the birth daughter he thought wasn't liable. So she found out her mom died and her father actually raised her from like two years old on to adulthood. And she's very close to his family. Uh, her aunts and uncles on that side of the head, but she still comes and sees them now. She said she's in, in Jersey, but she found out. Someone told her, you know, that's not really your father. Your birth father is a man named Bubba. We call him Bubba Foy from North Carolina. All of you from North Carolina. And she was really mad at her. Her mother was dead, but she was mad at her aunts that they didn't tell her. And they felt like they didn't have the right to tell her because her father that raised her in their mind was her, her, her father to the point that she wouldn't even talk to them and wouldn't even come home. When her grandmother died, she sent a nice honorarium, did not come home, her, her mother's mother, because she felt like she still told her to. And so I was doing genealogy like always and got her phone number and started calling her. And we were talking every week and so forth. Me being naive said, yeah, you know, by the way, yeah, I see your other cousins all the time. Because you know, everybody there is involved with cousins. I said, my mom and them are like best friends. They were at our house last night. Your first cousin on your daddy's side. And that was our last phone call. Did <laughs> we ever had? Well, I called her then. Didn't even talk to me. And I guess I understood. She probably felt like this young man. And I probably was like 19 at the time, maybe 20. Knows more about my father's family than I do. How dare he know more about my father's family? Because she and I were kin on her mother's side. We're also distantly kin on my father's side, but you know, I was calling her because she's my mother's first cousin. So I get it. You know, I, I was like, first I was like, why would she get mad at me? I didn't do anything wrong. I was trying to, you know, tell her, here's who you need to call, and they, these people are nice. You can talk to them. But that was our last phone conversation. From that point on, she has never answered a phone call. I guess I have a. Um more of a different take on it. Um, like many of you, I've helped hundreds of people over the years. Um, 
but I'm I'm straight up with them, even before I even dot an I. I'm like uh, the DNA will tell you things you want to know and things you don't want to know. And um, you know if you if you so you know you kind of give them that verbal chance to step out. You may and I, I I'm up front and telling them. You may find out that you, your wife's mom or dad or somebody is not who you think they are. And if, if, um, if, you know, those kinds of things um, really move you outside of yourself, you might not want to move forward in this gene, in this DNA. You can certainly do your tree, but uh, the DNA is a little different. And so I tell them up front and you know it's always easier in the in the front end of things that they back out you know they come to grips with what might be than you sharing them uh sharing something with them later or the other thing i do i i'm i'm the fishing pole guy uh shauna remembers yesterday in her group i i will show them how to do it and I uh, give them the fish and pull, and then I let them discover. And you know, you can't be, you can't blame the mailman <laughs> for delivering the letter. Um, but anyway, those are those are just two alternative ways to do it. You know, full disclosure method or the fish and pull, giving them the the um, the tool set in order to kind of figure it out and then let them discover whatever they discover. Ray, I just want to jump in and uh, what's up, Sean, you know, um, I um, there is a there is um, a sort of psychological readiness to, to all of this that, that you guys were talking about. Uh, um, you know, you could think of it, the, these individuals, uh, I'm one, I'm one of seven, uh, I'm one of seven. Um, the, the, the three before me uh, and myself and all seven have different have different mothers with the exception of my, my younger brother we all have we have the same mother and father but, but my father our father wasn't present and so you what you what I have observed and recognized among all of them is that some of them some have a, a much more desire to, to, to know that to know their history and others have been have been hardened by that experience to a way that, you know, I think it's a you know survival instinct that it's more important and it's easier not to have to think about it. Uh, even for those individuals who have you know done their ancestry DNA, you know, they now know there's a confirmation around their identity. But even even in the next generation of nieces and nephews, what I've observed is well, I, their parents didn't really care about. And perhaps it's an emotional disconnection for to 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 survive to protect themselves. And so, for those of us who are doing this work, you know, um, there's the clinical of how we do our work and how we make decisions about how we provide the information to individuals. And then, and then there's that emotional readiness and psychological readiness that you know some people aren't ready for the information, and or maybe never will be ready for the information. They just decided that they don't care and it's not important. My history is not important because. Uh, the, at the very moments when they needed, you know, that kind of support, that that wasn't there for them. 
And so I'm, I'm seeing all kinds of ranges of emotions and readiness around, you know, identity. Uh, I, I think that I think that readiness is an important uh, consideration for us to think about. Hmm. So yep, I totally agree with that. Um, I'm going to say also the psychological part about it is that adults made a decision right before you got here or when you got here that had nothing to do with you. Right. But it's still you you kind of absorb it and you take it internally. Like, why would you not want me like I have a kid and I could not imagine not um, not owning my kid. Right. Not not acknowledging them, recognizing them, not wanting to interact with them and stuff. So you have to think, was, what is it about me that would make you decide that you would just want to abandon me and let me be part of a lie? I think it's a little deeper than that, Boosie, um, in the sense that sometimes folks don't know. I know in the in the, the case of the situation that I was mentioning, um, this person did not know that and because i know both sides i know the, the 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 person that thinks he's the father and i know that the actual father and the actual father their family um didn't know that there was a child that came from that particular situation which was not an ongoing relationship and so in those cases i think you have to be really careful with how you share information, especially those of us that are managing kids for, for others that ask us to do it that we're not related to, to, and those that are related to us where we know the full, some of the full stories, be mindful of how you manage as well, uh, the, especially the ones that are close to you. And in my case, it's a, it's a family member. And so that can, that can affect a multitude of people and this particular person who shared their DNA did it as like almost like a courtesy to say, okay, I'm on board with getting more family history and connecting to more family me members. Um, they didn't necessarily ask to know all of the information. And I think so, there are some of us that are dealing with that too. You know, when I met my oldest brother, um, I went, I traveled from New York to Baltimore to go to, to meet him to Columbia. And, um, when I got there, we were having great conversations and he just began to talk and he shared with me that he found out that he had a different father, that his stepfather was not his father uh, by rummaging in the, in, in the closet in his parents' bedroom. that he found something and then his older sister came to him. She knew, but he didn't know. And she told him, that's how he found out uh, that, you know, that, that we shared the same dad, that, the father was, that his father wasn't his father. And, um, and, and, and that, you know, and those connections, I, 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 I can see how it impacts how they um, relate to, to me or to any, or any of the other siblings. They don't, or they do, and then they don't, you know, for years, and then they do, and they don't for months. <clears throat> and, and it feels, and it's painful <laughs> to, to those of us who are trying to make those connections, but we also, but I also understand you know, that, that they suffered, that they suffered too, just like I did. Hmm. Well, let me ask you this, because there are things that people say. Now, had I asked my uncle beforehand, <clears throat> if this test revealed anything that, you know, what he want to know that I would, it would be different. 
And so I, I will encourage people that if you're testing somebody, because the same thing with you, Lashada, he just took it to help me do more family research. So that's the other thing. Yeah, he didn't, he, he didn't ask to know this, but had he asked me, because since my uh, great aunt said there was a rumor mill, if he had said, well, there used to be a rumor that this man named uh, Shelton was my daddy. The test didn't show that, did it? That would have been. But you know, Shana, there are some ethical. I mean, if, if you if you if you engage in a clinical trial or a study, and they and when you sign on to do in the study, they said if, if if during this study, and and us doing X, Y, and Z, and we determine and we find this out, would you want to know? Do you want to know? Or we have an obligation to tell you because Gigi, let's remember that study, uh, and all of us who are doing this work need to think about this in the sense of, of you know, what are our own personal ethics and what do we think are good professional ethics for those people who are doing genealogy, all of us in this room. That to me is a really um, critical question. And of course, a variety of scenarios might end up with different results from different individuals. But I do think personally, um, and that really ethics is really about you know individual choices. So let me start there. But uh, it is something we all have to strongly consider in, in, in this research that we're doing when we find information, how we share it, or how, do we tell or do we not tell? Or, what is the criteria in which we do? Right, which is why we need to ask the question beforehand. But do you all take this opinion or do you all feel that uh, people know? Uh, do you all have that inkling that pe people know? And that's why some people take these tests because they're trying to find out, they're trying to confirm or, or deny something. Well, they could be mad at, you know, you can't also, sometimes people are mad at the situation. Um, it's like them getting mad at the mailman or mail the carrier and, um, and, you, and the mail carrier takes it personal. And I say, well, stop it, mail carrier. Don't take it personal. They're just mad. They're upset. They're processing. You just happen to be the, um, the conduit. And, you know, no, it doesn't relieve someone of just, you know, I think there's, there are ethical issues, you know, uh, disclosure issues that you do um, as uh, someone who's taking someone down this way. And I think uh, Shauna makes a point if a senior um, is doing it for, or senior or anyone's doing it to help you out because they know how important it is to you. Um, uh, those are very different um, circumstances, but I would certainly um, um, d disclose in advance. So uh, uncle or grandpa, do you wanna, if I find out something that doesn't necessarily fit our family narrative, is, is, do you want me to keep it to myself or if I something, find out something about your, you know, or have a theory or something, do you want me to share it with you or just kind of, you know, that, you know, in advance, that is, that is uh, always appreciated by them. But, you know, usually when someone's mad, um, and I, I have personal family that are in that space, um, I usually let them process it and um, they knew everything. In this case, I didn't have to tell them because they understood the way, you know, what DNA could produce. But 
the um, I respected their decision once they found out, you know, how to proceed for, further. And, but I found that sometimes it's not you that they're mad at, but it's the, um, uh, the circumstance and you shouldn't take it personal, especially if you've done your due diligence to. Uh, I think that's a great framework that you just laid out, you know, in, in, in sort of the pre, I don't want to call it pre bottle, but it's a, a pre a screening really is what it is. You're doing a screening just to kind of assess the readiness. You're just someone you're doing, you know, you're going to test someone and they may, they may be doing it for, to help or they, because they love you and they don't really know anything about the, what the results may be, or they may have some questions, but if, if, if as a researcher, you might, it's important to lay the framework out. I may, some information may come back to you, come back. And do you want me to share that with you? Do you want me to lie to you or tell you the truth? What, what would you prefer? And, you know, and, we, and then we go down that road together. Hey, Michael. Yeah, that was, that was my whole experience learning this. Like, I learned DNA in 2014 and 2015 to find out in 2016 that my father wasn't my biological father. And I actually found out with my sister who never knew who her father was. So on one hand, she's elated. And on the other hand, I'm sorry, I gotta, my, I gotta run. My son is making me run, but I was, you know, I was destroyed and I went out, I met my biological father. I met some of my sisters and I was like, all right, cool. I'll talk to you guys later. And um, it took about two years. And it wasn't personal. It wasn't them. I had to grasp this new identity. The whole reason I got into genealogy was being a cousins. My grandfather breaking a color barrier for the Baltimore City Police Department. And The Wire, um, the show, the elders on that show, my grandfather trained. During that time when that book was made, he was the one going in the retiree going in and giving everybody advice so i just wanted to learn more about my family and where they came from and understanding that you know my dad's my dad is my biological father it was a two and a half almost three-year process therapy twice a week and um you know i got close i got close to mostly my biological family and um you know i'm still a cousins but I just got a third branch of my family now. So, you know, I had to learn by experiencing it. And I think it was a little easier because I'm in the genealogy space. I wasn't just somebody that took the test and was like, boom, but still affected me nonetheless. I always yeah, tell people that you're, go ahead, Doc. Go ahead. I'm quiet. I'm quiet. Okay, Michael was next. Let's see. Oh, I had forgot which phone I was on, and so I was going to get myself on mute. But I was going to say, very interesting conversation. Um, as a person who took this test, kind of knowing what the outcome was going to be, knew what the rumor mill was. Um, I think even for the person that's taking the test, sometimes you can come in contact or face-to-face -face with things that were not known to you that can still hurt you. 
Um, so I think when we have these conversations, I think we should also be able to support this person on this journey, whether they're mad at us or not, or make sure they have um, the support in place if they don't want to communicate with us. It's not like I wanted to add to the conversation. Go ahead, Shauna um, or Damon. Oh, no, I was just um, that Michael had come up. Uh, yeah, peace, yeah. I didn't, yeah, I didn't have anything, I guess, particularly. I was actually on the phone when Ray sent the invite down, so I wasn't sure if, um, you know, um, he had anything specific he might have wanted to um, address or anything. But in general, I mean, towards the DNA topic, I can't really speak on. I haven't taken a DNA test. Um, you know, I know it has value in, you know, establishing people's um, paternity, things of that nature. Um, you know, I, I see the best value in people getting their cousin matches and going down a tree, stuff like that. But again, like I said, I was getting a phone call when I got the invite, so I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn or off the topic. You know what I mean? You're on point, brother. Go ahead. Keep talking. Well, no, nah, you know, that's basically just my perspective on it. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, like I said, I look at DNA testing as a tool in genealogy. You know what I'm saying? Of course, not the end or be all of it, but it's a tool, you know, that helps people uh, figure out their way. So some people, you know, have less of a mystery, you know what I'm saying? And like what Ray just was explaining, you know, he, he used that to help him, you know, figure out you know who his biological father was or who who they weren't you know what i'm saying so um yeah that's my biggest thing you know i think when it comes to genealogy it's very personal a lot of people tend to you know jump on people and do all this you know um i like but i clicked on the thing the lip wrestling right that's what that's what ray got on the thing a lot of lip wrestling but it's not necessary because we all got different bloodlines we all got different lineages just gotta do the work figure out who your people are you know what i'm saying that's all it's about Oh, and can I just add one more thing? Can we also start to humanize these people who left this world with these secrets? Because you don't know, we don't know why they kept these secrets. And yes, somebody may have known a secret and kind of put that secret out there, but we don't know what forced them into that. Like not everybody went into it like, oh, I don't want anything to do with this child. Some people kept dark secrets. And through this process, I have discovered some of my family secrets in I'm very. Spill them, Michael. Spill them. Who I share these secrets with because I don't want anybody to change the way my ancestors lived. They were human. They made mistakes. They got up. They fell. But they still lived their life in their true form. So also don't forget to humanize the people who have these secrets because it's their story that you're telling. I want to hear all the secrets, Michael. Right, y'all have <laughs> That's heard, good. Y'all have heard some of my family secrets on um, drunk genealogy. Um, yeah, Spencer got the title. Yeah, Spencer, Spencer and Sasha, kind of neck and neck for me. <laughs> Absolutely. Drunk genealogy and DNA after dark coming to you soon. Past my bedtime. Just gonna be, just gonna be caught snoring in the room. (laughs) (laughs) 
I will say that there's there's good things that come out of like the those those secrets too. I had an experience where I was connected um, via DNA for to a young lady who had no clue where her mother came from, and I'll share their story. And it it ended up being a beautiful one, um, but. Ray, going back to our conversation earlier about foster care, my mother grew up in the system in foster care, her and her sisters. The grandmother disappeared. Um, they don't know what happened to her, if she passed away or what, but she was an alcoholic. Um, and she, she left her kids to the state and they never heard from her again. And so they didn't know who the father was. They only had the first name of um, the grandmother, which was her mom's mom. And that's all they had to go off of. And we were connected via DNA. All four of my grandparents um, on my mom's side are from the same area of Miss, on my mom's side, both of my grandparents are from the same area of Mississippi. So we were able to narrow it down to that. Long story short, I was able to have conversations within my family with this one name, right? We only had the first name to go off of. Um, and we ended up connecting her to her grandmother's brothers and sisters. And they were able to share with the mother why her mom left and the fact that they had never heard from her again, but were trying to find her children. And she ended up having four sets of children across the country. And she suffered from alcoholism and, and mental illness. Um, but it, it gave them a lens into why she may have left her children and some of the struggles, the mental struggles that she was having. They went to a family reunion and reunited and all of that stuff. But it, it started off very traumatic, foster care, not having a name only a first name, not knowing a father, and they connected the dots themselves. Um, and this is specifically for Damon, connected themselves, the, the dots themselves going back through DNA. Yeah, I've seen stuff like that happen. Um, like like I said, me personally, I didn't do one. Um, I know when through lines came together, they, um, I had somebody, a cousin of mine, on my father's side of Taylor line, um, cause I don't have, I'm, I, my last name Taylor, but it's not for my father. But either way, um, you know, he had Taylors in his, in his line through his dad. And um, when they first came up with through lines, even though I didn't do a DNA test, I linked up with a sister who did a DNA test. My cousin met up and then, um, we was able to connect the dots in that way. So that's why I say it's, it's helpful. You know what I'm saying? What what tends to be the problem is that everybody talk about these ethnicity estimates and I don't see the big value in that the way people, some people might, but that's just me personally because it doesn't seem to equate when it comes to finding then these relatives that you're going to find from these places. So that's where it gets problematic for me. You know what I'm saying? But um Go ahead, please. I see you want to start there. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. With when when people carry weight with the de with the the ethnicity piece, for me, the only way that matters is if they're giving me some money or or nationality in another country in case I want to leave this country. And that ain't coming. So <laughs> I, hear you. I think it's all just you know good indicators. 
the, but the reality is that the, um, I always tell people, if the DNA is good to find your father or mother, then it's also good as an indicator for where you have been in the past. Um, it's just information. And um, you don't ever have to negate um, grandma's stories, ever. Um, you, you take it all in. It's all information. I'm working currently right now with a guy, really distant cousin, and the way I connected was uh, it was through his son, who all but looked Latino, and I thought it was kind of fun. I said, "What's up, Latino cousin?" And he ended up being, uh, I think he was a fourth black or something. His dad's half black and and uh, um, half Latino, and and lives in. Um, or is, you know, their ancestry um, on the side of the water anyway is from Leon County, uh, Texas. And if you know anything about Leon County, Texas, there is a lot of endogamy. And, um, you know, these families, um, it, it's kind of, it's the county that I've been trying to encourage because we've met so many people in trying, it's been two years trying to help this guy uh, find his father, and um, and it is just the toughest. Um, and I've been doing it since the genie. I've been doing it for a while, and this is really just tough. And um, I don't know if any of you have um, ever been in or heard of Leon County, uh, Texas, but I imagine that there are other counties somewhat similar where you have um, people who have for maybe generations uh, lived in, you know, shared a long stem DNA pool and um, oh, it just makes it so tough. But he is committed to find his, um, his father's long gone, but he's committed to find his um, paternal family. And on his way, he's discovered so many cousins. I, I, I would always tell him, don't overlook a cousin on your way to finding the person you want to find. All these people are your family. So he's he's made a kind of uh, a mission to stop and smell the roses as he's meeting these people that ever getting him closer and closer to that person. But um, yeah, it's to me the the, the DNA journey is uh, one of struggle, um, introspection, uh, conflict, different narratives, but it, it's a journey and it's uh, one, I think, of enlightenment. Look, I manage over 35 kits and I've done more trees than I can, <laughs> I can count. I've only seen one clean tree in my life <laughs> where DNA in the tree matches up. And I feel the same way as you, Lashada. Like the, the estimates are estimates. You can't estimate nothing. I believe in the DNA cousins aspect of it, but until it's like concrete, I don't. I don't do. I don't do any estimations. <laughs> I need to know for sure, for sure. So I tend not to focus on that. But I'm telling you, man, men lie, women lie. Them cinnamon organs do not, because it's gonna tell the <laughs> truth, whether you know it or like it or not. No, I respect that. This my and this be my major issue. Oh, uh, Damon, I, wa I wasn't talking to you, man. But if you want to square oh, no. up, do that. 
Oh, look, look. You already know. You already know, my brother. Me, you, me, you can go back and forth with that. You, you want to lip wrestle, bro? Nah, no lip wrestling, man. No lip wrestling. We good. The, the usual suspects ain't even around, so we good, man. We good for that. <laughs> um, but nah, you know, my, my issue, honestly, is that it's just too selective. If you could do a test and they could tell you, they can assign you an ethnicity as Nigerian, but not assign you an ethnicity as Virginian or Texan, it don't make sense to me. Because how can you get to choose that Nigeria is an ethnicity and as if they haven't dealt with colonizers? Because that's what they said in the white paper. Okay, well, we won't, we'll exclude these populations because they dealt with colonizers, but they use other populations who dealt with the same colonizers. Like, I'm confused. I'm confused, you know what I'm saying? So it seems very biased. It seems, you know, like it could be some lies, some mistruths. And again, I deal with the cousin matches because I can have ancestry that relates to people in anywhere in this world. But how does it relate? Like Ray saying the tree, man, that, that thing got to come straight down. And if, you, if you're going to tell me I'm related to this person, it doesn't mean that necessarily that that I came from where that person's from, that my lineage came from that, or that that person lineage came from where my people from. We got to figure it out. And that's all. It's like people seem like they want to get lazy with the DNA estimates. And that's the part I don't like because they'll be like, oh, I got my estimate and now that's it. <laughs> like, nah, that don't work. You know what I'm saying? That's just the way I see it. And, but if, and but you know, the way... Just push back a little bit on that. Oh, sorry, right, I couldn't hear you. And just, yeah, yeah. If you could say, I, I just can't hear you that good, brother. No, I'm sorry. I don't want to talk over you, but I can't yeah, hear you that good, bro. No, no, no. And, I, and I'm only pushing back on the small part of what you said, not not, not the total. So if, if, but if you've been searching for your identity or you felt like you've been a, in another country or no country for, for generations and for cycles, you know, the separation of black folks from from Africa happened, and and in that same way, we've been separated from our identity for 400 years in, in, in different uh, iterations of that. And so I, I now just did a test, and this test just told me that I'm 40% Nigerian, and for the first time in my life, I not I now feel proud about and feel and feel a connection, or a sense of connection. Now you're right about doing the work, and there's much more work to do. I get you on all of those points, and we agree. But that first moment that you feel good about you is is a test result that connects you to um, a continent that that has you know that's made you feel good about being a person of 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 of, of, of darker hue and so i don't want to i don't want to uh act like that's nothing that is a big thing for that person it, and it may be just a small step but that step might lead them in months or years to, to do some more research so I don't want us to, to feel like to shame that moment. That's a, that's a big moment. Oh, pardon me. I got you, brother. I wanted to make sure I heard you so I could respond. Um, and again, I, I, I wouldn't begrudge nobody, right? Like you said, especially people who don't know. You know, a lot of people don't know. And they're just trying to come up and get some answers. For me, I won't say that I had that same issue. For me, with my family tree... A lot of it was done. A lot of work was done. I was fortunate. You know, I had a lot of things that was pieced together. I didn't have any paternity issues, nothing like that. Um, and, you know, it's like, if that was the case, I'd have to lean more. And even though, again, those people who get the estimates, I don't have nothing against them feeling even proud, of, proud about their estimates. They could even identify. I don't have no problem with nobody identifying the way they want to identify. 
what I what I tend to have a problem with, I guess you know, it's not you know. I guess I'm bringing out my little my little um problem that I have when it comes to it, right? Because I didn't address my problem really that I have with it. Is that people come and they throw that to my to my face? Like if I didn't do a DNA test and they'll tell me that I don't know who I am <laughs> because I didn't do a DNA test. When it's like I have a lot of information. Like I know who my dad is. I know who my mom is. Um. Like, I mean, I literally look like my dad. Like, I don't have an issue like that. You feel me? I'll be for real. And with all that being said, okay, I'm able to put my tree together. I got so much work done. How come that doesn't get respected? Because, again, you know, um, as you said, Dr. I'm sorry, Dr. Mo, right? Um, You know from doing the work then that it takes more than just that test. So that, that work should be respected. And unfortunately, you know what I'm saying, and that's what Ray was picking with me about, he knows that I get the people that want to come and say, oh, well, no, do you know your haplogroup? Um, no, do you have, I'm like, but I did this work. <laughs> what about this work that I did? And that doesn't matter, you know what I'm saying? So that's just my only issue, you know what I'm saying? Because no. I wouldn't begrudge nobody else. They work or whatever they got going on. You feel me? And, and Ray know that. I'm not like that. Go ahead, And, and that's, what, that's what I was just, like, saying as far as DNA testing. Like, we can put the estimates to the side. And just like you said, the work is going to speak for itself. The work is the work and it is respected, especially if you build out a tree. But my whole thing is from a genealogist perspective, if you, if you give yourself that title and not do any and everything that you can to connect, connect your family and also bring people in to your family tree that have taken the DNA test that are not aware of their ancestors or their relatives like you are. That was my only thing that I have about people that say, oh, no, I'm not taking a DNA test. Man, throw them estimates away. If you're not using every tool in your arsenal to not only build your family tree, but create an ecosystem for every DNA connection that you have that you can identify, you're not doing everything that you can as a genealogist. That's just, that, that. that's where I stood with it. No, nah, brother, I respect that. So even with that being said, Trust me, I'm not the type to ever say, like, I'm against taking a DNA test. I would never do it. I, I'll tell you this. I take a DNA test before I take a, a um, one of those, those quote-unquote vac shots that he was talking about. <laughs> I promise you I do that <laughs> before I even take that. So with that being said, um, I'm not against it, but I would only do it for my purposes. Like the sister earlier said, okay, well, the, est the estimate, the only way I chalk that up is if that's going to actually get me some citizenship somewhere or something like that, you know, it has to have a tangible. So for me, you know, I have a fam, you know, our family, we have a family cemetery, we're working on possibly more than likely doing a DNA project and things like that to that other extent. Like, you know, I've connected with other people who have done DNA tests. They don't have a certain information because that's my issue. Not again, my issue, but when people try to challenge me, I'll be like, well, these other people did DNA tests and they still don't have this information. They had to connect the, the dots. So I'm always willing to do that. You know, I, I always answer people um messages when they send me messages and stuff like that. And I and I work to um to map out. You feel me? So yeah, I I'm not that type that's all against it, but I just feel like people be putting they be trying to use that like some type of trump card. <laughs> I'm like, eh, well, it don't really work. Yeah, well, brother, I appreciate it. That's also tangible. I appreciate you saying that, Damon. I think that um, 
this brings about another conversation or another question that I had for the for the group is, is there a difference between a genealogist and a family historian? Because Damon, what I'm hearing from you is a family historian, which I think should also be respected. Yeah, that's the position I would say. Yeah, that's what a position I've been put in even, you know what I'm saying, I've been groomed for it. So yeah, I appreciate you saying that. Sis. I think some people use them interchangeably. If you're talking about the notion of uh, a family as in a possessive family's historian, that's one thing. Somebody who is associated with a specific family and uh, and knows the, um, you know, all the the history of that particular family. You could argue that that person is a family historian or a griot or the family griot. I've heard so many t different terms, and I think it's all good, right? That person is an expert. Um, uh, with that family. Um, when you're talking a genealogist or sometimes interchangeably used family researcher, um, you know, um, uh, the study of family, um, it could be general. It could be someone who works uh, not just within his or her family, but other families. The person who studies uh the, the tools and the statistics, you know, the um, strategies for researching, documenting, and, um, if, you know, families across, you know, generally. So um, I don't think that these two really conflict. I don't think that there's a conflict between someone who's just, uh, someone who studies families across the board. And, and I know family um, historians um, that focus on one family that use genealogical tools. And, and they kind of, they use all the tools necessary, but they've also inherited stories from um, their, their family that they've documented. And I think that's kind of, you know, it, it's really good. It's all good no matter what. I don't think that there is a conflict between either one. And I think if you're looking for kind of that definition, I that's my best definition. You know, someone that would refer to themselves as, a, as their family historian is someone who's focused in on a specific family and they, the keeper of the documents, keeping of the secrets, the griot of that family, as opposed to a genealogist who's, or family researcher, someone who just um, specializes in helping um, family strategies and techniques, you know, researching, documenting, and so forth and so on. Let me ask you something. Are they getting paid to do so? Uh, who? So, because that would be the question to me about if somebody, because I, I agree with everything that you said, especially about the family historian, the keeper of the information. They know all things. If you need to know something about that family, go to that person and they're going to be able to tell you about it. So, but if you are a genealogist and then you are getting paid and you got clients and you're doing this work and you're trying to find all this information and now you have this DNA and stuff that's available to you. Now, is somebody paying you to get down to the root of their families 
history or to find out about them and then you're not going to utilize the DNA or you don't know about the DNA, I, 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 that's my, just going to be my question. No, I, I, again, I, I think that there's two different ones. So uh, typically a family historian and, and in my experience, and I run across family historians, I sat at the feet. My grandfather was his family historian. We would go to him when we wanted to know anything about the family and he knew that. And it would be absurd for us to pay him. You know, this, he did this because it was his, his own story and his own legacy. And he shared liberally uh, all that he knew about the family and the family genealogy or the genealogist is someone in not in every case because not every family researcher slash genealogist does it for pay they do it because they just enjoy doing it um, and not every griot or family researcher specific to a family i i very seldom see them getting paid i almost never see them getting paid especially because their focus is on one family group. They're focusing in on one family group. The researcher or the genealogist typically works across different family groups and some get paid and some don't. Some do it for, as a living or a hustle, side hustle, and some just do it because they get more joy out of helping someone. But I think that either way is honorable, either either direction that someone wants to take is honorable. I, my own little thing is I spent 20 years, uh, and I've shared this with you guys, thinking that one Starks line was my Starks line and it wasn't my Starks line. And um, after I licked my wounds, I kept that Starks line. I found someone who was a, who was a part of that Starks line. And um, I, I still feel uh, connected to that Starks line and I share that information. Also what happened is I discovered another Starks line that I'm a part of. And, and through this kind of genetic research, everyone in that Starks line genetically connects with me. So to thy own self be true here. And if it causes someone to lose their, their you know, to lose something, look, <laughs> I want to say, if if that if that's what you want, go where go where your heart is. But the, the, to answer your first two questions, I think there's a difference between a family researcher and a genie, someone who's a family historian and a genealogist slash family researcher. That is, I agree. Like, I agree. You're on point. I agree. Yeah. You're on point, man. Because I always view my, I could never really uh relate to like the family historian part of it because i had to build it i didn't get a pass down my um extended great aunts uncles the people that had this information i didn't know and they didn't take me seriously so i had to go build it <laughs> i built it up so much they had to come to me and that's kind of how we form relationships and bonds i kind of had to earn it i had to go out of town um get dna tested and then when I got DNA tested, uh, okay, turn it off over here, daddy boy. 
Then when I found out my dad wasn't my dad, I had to sit back, process that, and then I tested my biological father and five of my four of my siblings. So now <laughs> I'm on three lines. I manage 25 family members' kits in total. And not only do I research our lines that we have in common, I made a pack with them to put in that much work on the other lines that I'm not related to. So, you know, I'm always gainfully employed. And, um, you know, it, I really didn't, I really didn't understand this until I heard you guys talk about it, but it is a clear, distinct difference between genealogist and family historian. I appreciate this convo. I learned, I learned a lot today. <laughs> and many of us in this space, um, cause you know, Sam, as you said, as you, you know, we, we, we're not making no money off of this. We're doing this because, um, we want to help people and, um, and, and that's what we do. And we spend hours upon hours a, a day, just trying to help people find out about their family history. Well, I, I enjoy it because I, I get a chance to connect to people. And while you guys are doing all that nice, sophisticated talking, I'm, I'm looking and seeing who's on ancestry in the chat and in the conversation. And, and, uh, I I've discovered I'm, I'm related to JC down in the box. I'm also related to, uh, Stephanie Dawkins down in the box. So it's, it's, you know, it's been all good to me. I've, I've really enjoyed it. And I think part of Ray and, and, and group, the part of the reason why I asked that question about the difference between a family historian and a genealogist is because I think that we, we need to give folks grace when they teeter the line between the two. And what I was hearing from Damon from other groups um, and his experience with, uh, within other groups is that he wasn't receiving that grace because folks are, are, have been speaking as if it's black and white, either you're one or the other. And I think we, we uh, many of us do both. We serve as family historians and genealogists, and some of us just do one or the other. Well, son, I'm so glad you, you got back to that, to that point that Damon was trying to make, because when he, because I, when he said it, I underscored in my mind uh, where I was this time last year. Where I was this time last year, I was fearful. I was had just got, just really just got my DNA, just learned my just learned how to glog on the jab match. We didn't know nothing about how to use those tools. We're still trying to figure out. I didn't even know how to use county county searches yet. I'm just, you know, you know, researcher in another in, you know another way. But this this to me is so complex com, com, complicated, and there's so many different layers to this. Uh, there was a sense I felt like of genealogy snobbery this time last year. I felt I was afraid to use my voice in that space. So I, I honor and I heard everything you were saying, Damon, because I, I actually still feel that way sometimes in certain rooms I go into. I don't feel um, like valued or validated. And so I, 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 I agree with that. We, we have to be more sensitive. But I appreciate, you know, I appreciate the conversation. Honestly, you know, the brother Ray, me and him had, you know, at first I, we was in a space where I thought me and him was going to be contentious. I thought so, but then we had a conversation. Nah, you thought he was going to check me. Tell the truth. I did. Of course, <laughs> I, I go front. I go front. I go front because, you know, certain people, certain people in, in, the, in the square. Why you going to do the point like that, man? <laughs> yeah, but, 
but it's cool, you know, it's cool. So, but we talked it out and we saw there was a mutual respect. So, you know, in, in, in this space, I don't feel like that. And and I'll be honest, in you know, I get respect from um, from the genealogy community. I've gotten gotten pushback from some people who just like um when I had conversations with Ray, he said, shoot, he didn't come in in that community of the people who, you know, who always go to the historical societies and do all these things and, and write blogs and stuff. He said he came up, you know, kind of out the trenches, right? You know what I'm saying? Like genealogy trenches, right? So I get it. And for me, it's kind of the same. You know, I was just fortunate that I had a lot of things put together from, you know, the family that was beforehand. So, you know, I, I come in very confident, but it's just, I, you know, it's just, just what this is said. I go in some spaces and it just don't get respected. And, you know, I feel like it is a slap in my face because, again, it's not even just the work I did. I mean, I had ancestors before me. I had to correct their work. And I'm leaving it for my sons to possibly correct my work if I'm making mistakes. You get what I'm saying? So I don't say I know everything because I don't. I'm always constantly learning. That's why I'll be wanting to hear. Sometimes, like, if I go and somebody says, hey, well, you know, I, I took a DNA test and I, and I connect to this place or that place, wherever. I love to hear how because now it gives me more information so I can figure out things. You know what I'm saying? But people take sometimes those things as offense. So it, it just gets touchy. Um, you know, that's why I'm really appreciating this conversation because it's just people really giving their honest opinions and perspectives, their perspectives um, on the situation. Hey, man. Like, like I told oh, you, like I told you when I came in your space, man, if you if you do this, you do the work. The work is going to mm -hmm. speak for itself. And regardless of where you think your family's origin story or where they come from, we got 150 years of genealogy to talk about before we even get to that point where we're going back and forth about it. So it's too much work to be done to worry about stuff like that. Yeah, I, I don't worry about where other people come from. Oh, good. I mean, no, I was going to say, gonna I respect you. I respect you, Damon. No, I appreciate that. And I, I, I didn't want to say. Yeah, I didn't want it to come off again like I don't respect the process, you know, there's a process to it. And that's really all I, all I'm saying, you know, I, I made sure when I didn't know much about the DNA testing, I made sure I learned more about it, you know, as opposed to saying, well, it's a boogeyman or something like that. Like, nah, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I, I, I say I'm not against it, but it's just ways I would do it. If I do it, it's going to be in that sense, like our family doing a DNA project. We're going to have, you know, our family linked up and bring people in who um, are related um, and then we can grow and just grow as a family, grow as a unit. You know what I'm saying? Grow as a tribe. You know what I'm saying? I heard the sister mention that earlier because your tribe is your family. You know what I'm saying? And that's where I come from. You know, it's all family first, tribe first. And, you know, for me, it's just, you know, seeing the terms in the chat and dogging me and all these things. I'm coming from these places where that's going on. You know, my people's from the PD area, from, you know, Darlington. I'm living in Darlington right now. And I came from New York because my family been here, still holding on to our land, still trying to preserve around everything changing. And that's where I guess my passion comes in because I see the erasure, the whitewashing of, of a people who've been here and it just can't happen. So I'm very strong on that. I'm very passionate on that. And I appreciate the respect that I'm receiving and I return it, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, anybody know, I, I'm not coming with disrespect, but I'm, I'm from the city, man. Ray, you know, you're from Baltimore, man. We, you know, <laughs> we ready to check everything if, if it's coming wrong. So that's all, that's all that was. But, you know, it's all respect to those who give respect. And I, I do appreciate the combo. You know what I mean? I think that's what, um, 
real uh, family re research and genealogy, and I use them both in this way. That's what it really is, scholarship. On, on some level, scholarship. And um, from a family historian uh, perspective, if she or he um, gets a name wrong, uh, um, and, and, and that family that she or he is uh, an expert in, someone will correct them. And that family historian doesn't take it personal, but that family historian just adds it to the narrative. Got it. Thank you for, you know, making that story plain. From the genealogical perspective, it's like research. It's the same way. Um, if something is not, um, you know, it, it, it really does take a kind of um, a collective um, uh, precedence, people looking at it, people analyzing it someone making a statement, moving it forward, someone finding a piece of research, other people commenting on it, moving it forward. It really is so much like scholarship. And um, you've heard, I'm sure, people talk about peer review, right? It's the same thing. You know, um, you wouldn't want a family historian who's just making up stuff and the next thing you know, you show, it, you show up at a reunion and, and they created a whole narrative about you. And you go, wait a minute, wait, wait, we are part of this tribe, but let me, let me, you gotta get this part right. And the same way, you know, in the same way, you know, if, if someone's a genealogist and, and that they don't have all the facts and they just saying stuff, y'all wait a minute. The whole process is a, a collective, uh, process, one in which uh, we all have standing to speak our truth and, and um, make our statements and yet let those statements be proved or disproved by the tribe. And um, that's really what this is about. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. You know, thank you, Sam. Sam, you know, you, you really be spitting some knowledge, you know? I reflect the wisdom of the group. That's what Sigmas do. You know. <laughs> yeah, brew fire. Oh, see, don't I, don't I, start I, me, y'all. Don't clear, start but... me. I might start stomping right I was about here. To say, <laughs> see, look, I, I, I can't get this because I ain't pledged, but I ain't gonna front. Of, I'm I'm a legacy uh, Kappa. I could have been Kappa if I wanted to go that route, but I ain't gonna get into this. <laughs> this it's, 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 all good, it's all good. It's all good. No doubt. This has definitely been great combo. Ray must be doing something with the baby boy. 
I will yeah, say. My daddy duty heavy. <laughs> I gotta give him respect <laughs> for that too, man. He do his thing. Miss Shauna, this might be a good time because I know I have a, um, a conference with my boss too. This might be a good time for you to tell the group what you got coming up and um, and uh, about that website and all the things you got coming up. I know you have a lot of great things coming up. Oh, yes, indeed. Um, but let me see because I know this week Ray took over from last week. You know, we did the conference last week and all the events we had going on and i see that ray had a couple of rooms of course he's got tomorrow he is doing a sliding with the ancestors as well as thursday he's also doing a sliding with the um, ancestors and then on friday he's doing a talk with amir um, about the black collective um i know he's got that going on and of course we do on um, mondays we do uh, what's up cuz where we interview interview someone in our project the jet match project that we're in um, we try to teach um, resources to help people that are researching um, and on um, Mondays we have Angela she does a, a brick wall so if you are researching and you need help and you're stuck she she's does talking a about wall. what she's working on I'm listening if she see pain if she <laughs> Um, and so we're doing that. Uh, we do have an email list. So if you want to stay up to date. Did you on, put that on the email list for your boy? You know you on there. All your stuff is in there. I don't think you be reading them, though. I told Spencer, I say, I don't know. He might not be reading those. <laughs> but um, we try to send out everything. There's so much that we are doing right now in the genealogy community because we want to get to the work and we want to help people find their um relatives and teach them how to research because there's so much knowledge and there's so many people out here that you just don't know what those resources are and so you know i always take my hats out shout out to ray because when i came into this space he welcomed me in we learned a lot and we've just been here ever since and so him and many of the rest of us that are still in this space helping people and so look reach out we're always willing to set up a room or set up a zoom and and help there you go. Where are you back? He done ran off again. But does anybody have any questions? Anybody anybody have anything that they want to know about? Anything that we've talked about that anybody want to add something to share? Yeah, I was getting, it's, it's, I'm getting ready for bath time with the young lads. So I've been in and out these last 10 minutes. All right, good deal. But um, this is the space. It's, it's many people in here that can probably answer a question that you might have right now. And um, please, uh, you can jot it in the chat. Sometimes we um, um, miss it. Yep, that is right. We will be um, streaming. There's a YouTube that um, was done. Samantha um, Jones, who's a guru of YDNA um is did a session with one of our very own Terica um using YDNA and showing us how to use that to um to research and so we will be streaming that at um 7 p.m eastern yep because it's going to be six o'clock my time and so we'll be doing that over in the genealogy front porch um and so yeah that's we got that going on today matter of fact we're also doing another streaming with uh cousin marseille who uh, was in here he ran off uh he'll be doing we'll be doing his on wednesday and so 
but yep, try to keep them looking at the chat, see if we have any other questions. Now's the time. And Shonda, what did, did you say there was something going on this evening? Yep, at 7 p.m., um, Samantha Jones um, did a YouTube with uh, Terika showing how to utilize the um, YDNA. Um, and so she, there's, there's actually a free site where you can upload uh, the mail raw data to and tools to how to use it. And so that's what we always kind of get stuck on sometimes. Ray is kind of one of those jet match gurus um, who knows how to utilize some of those tools. And we learned a little bit from him um, early on in, in utilizing. And I don't know if he do any more training with that, but uh, if you do, we need some more training. Uh, but there's another tool where you can use your data for YDNA, which gives you some different stuff. And they're gonna we'll learn about that at uh, 7 p.m. Thank you. You are welcome. Hey, Brucey, I, I got tied up today. Um, I'm gonna try to get with you tomorrow. Maybe we can um, talk one on one about what you got going on in your tree and come up with a plan. Yes, that would be good. So I'm going out of the country. Oh, that headset's going out on you again. Okay, I'm back. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. This phone costs way too much money. I I pray that that's just this app and not my phone. Is it an iPhone? Or that's a, but, what, what kind of phone is it? Android? No, this is the, this is the Samsung um Ultra. Uh -huh. This is like the Ultra 22. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. Get rid of that Android. Get your iPhone. <laughs> I hate iPhones. I hate them. So Ray, I'm going out of the country Thursday, right? So tomorrow would be the best time. Then other than that, I, I won't be available until next week. Okay, cool. Sounds like a plan. I'll hit you tomorrow. Okay. Check your check the app. I just found out Clubhouse. I had a beta version of Clubhouse. Check the app. You know what? I think I do have a beta version. I'm going to go yeah, ahead take, on and, and yeah, upload and, that. And, and, no. And uninstall it and get the real version of Clubhouse. Because I was having problems too. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. And that's what it is. It's the beta version. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. you. I'm going to do that there. today. Are you trying to take up for the Android user? Come on, I appreciate that. <laughs> no, period, because period. somebody else that had an iPhone told me that that's what's going on. They were switching and baiting people and making you up. They tell you had to upload, and they was uploading a beta version to people, not the not the actual Clubhouse. It's a beta version. Y'all check your Clubhouse app. Okay, I might have to check it out. Hey, cousin Stephanie. Hey, everybody. <laughs> That's gonna be at six o'clock. You said Shauna for us. Yeah, six century. Yep. Okay. So Shauna, yeah, I'll be listening in. <laughs> All righty. What you got, Boosie? 
Hey, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to overtalk the last person. So since yesterday, um, I found out that I have all these new cousins that I've been interacting with every day. When we did, do y'all be doing fam that this type of genealogy family reunion where we meet up and and do something or take a trip or something together? Man, it's I just did something like that. It's in the works, and Ray was supposed to host the first one. We were supposed to be coming over there, going over there to him and uh, his wife's house. So, Ray, did you get it all worked out? You did you have all our stuff? Yeah, together? I want. I want to do something in the fall going into November around that time when it starts getting cold. Maybe we could do something in D.C., do like a National Archives trip. Everybody got records to pull out the National Archives and, um, you know, go out, get something to eat and kick it. So, yeah, um, it ain't snowing because I can't do y'all snow. Yeah, I mean, well, it might get a little cold, maybe like 40 or something, you know, because when it dies down, that's when you get less people. Uh, moving around and with less people are moving around you got more time in the archives that's one thing i learned being out here okay cool but yeah that's what we want to we want to go to all of the areas that we know that our family is researching because of course i'm in baton rouge however i do my main research in mississippi so of course there'll be a trip to mississippi there'll be one to um dc we'll do one in the carolinas because that's where a lot are uh, in virginia so yeah, we do have plans to make our rounds. Yeah, and I've, I always felt like DC is like kind of like the mecca because of the National Archives. Nine times out of ten, everybody has ancestors with with records here. So, uh, I like not because I live here. I just feel like it's you know it's mandatory. Are you guys familiar with the new um, Archives Museum that's opening up in I think it's in January in South Carolina? It's focused on genealogy. Is that the um, the one that's in Charleston, South Carolina? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If you um, I if you I have a Bible. Go ahead, Ray. I'm sorry. I was gonna say if you join, if you go on the website and you join there, um, it's like a hundred bucks. If you donate a hundred bucks, you can get put in that, uh, like exclusive tier. And you'll get access to a lot of events that they have going on, especially the stuff that's kind of in beta before it officially opens. That's awesome. I'm going to do that now. I actually spoke to them um, last week because I was down in Mississippi for a family reunion. And my cousin called me over to her house and she said, don't bring anybody with you. I have something to show you. And I go into her house and she unwraps this book. And the book is a Bible. And she said, this belonged to your great, great, great grandmother, four times great grandmother. And she said, why don't you open it up? And I kid you not, when I opened the book, it wasn't a Bible. Inside was lesson plans of how she taught herself and how she taught her son. And it was how to read and write. Um, it was how to take care of the, the farmland, how to take care of horses, how to heal yourself with natural herbs. It was her way of life, but she hid it in the in the bible and it was from the late 1800s um and so i i reached out to them to see if they could if they would take it and preserve it as a loner from us but they have too many exhibits right now so they couldn't take it in oh wow wow that is awesome wish i could find something like that you got to use white gloves when you touch that wow. thing i know i told her i said don't pull it out and show anybody else 
And she said, I know how much you're passionate about our family history. And so I just wanted to show it to you. Yeah, I'll put it in a bank lockbox or something. That's 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 precious right there. Uti, I sent you a, a Facebook message the uh, yesterday. Did you receive it? You know what? Um, I didn't, but I will go and look again. Sometimes, if you're, are you? Are we friends on Facebook? Hmm. We more than friends on Facebook. Okay, I'm gonna look for it because I didn't see it. I know sometimes. When um when people send messages on Facebook, if you're not friends, they kind of bury the message, and I never see those messages until like a year later. But I'll go and I'll go and take a look at it because I I've kind of been on and off the uh, on and off Facebook the last day or so, trying to get ready for my trip. I'm so excited. I don't know if you could tell. I'm just ready to have some downtime. Boosie made that thing sound good. She don't be reading the messages. <laughs> <laughs> no, sir. Don't say that. I do read my messages. <laughs> Let me see. Actually, I just put my car in park, and I'm going to look right now to see if I see it. This has been a great room, great conversation, guys. Thank you, Ray, for opening up this room today. Absolutely, absolutely. If you guys, I mean, you guys want to keep it open. I'm about to put my little guy in the tub. So I'm about to step out for about a half an hour, 45 minutes. But if you want to close it, we can too. I guess up to them. I'm probably um, going to take a break for our next interaction at six. I'm going to step out. It's been good talking to you guys and catching up again. I was off of Clubhouse for a while. Yeah, Lashada. Let's, I'm going um, to get with you too, Lashada. We got, we got some business to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. So, all right, guys. Yeah, about to say too. Appreciate the room, brother. You already know, man. We, no we problem. Yeah, great room, great room. We're playing the amazing genealogist. She's on Black Pro Gen. She has a new podcast. Um, we're playing that tomorrow at seven. Um, Thursday, we're playing. Um, we're actually doing um, sliding for the ancestors. We're taking somebody that doesn't have a tree and introducing them to their ancestors. And Friday, we're doing the genealogist lounge episode two, and we're talking with Amir who's actually in flying to Oklahoma um, to be a part of Towns Conference. I posted the links and everything in Facebook, but, you know, he met Seisha, learned about uh, Seisha and everyone, learned about that Midwest genealogy, and he went from being a New Yorker, <laughs> now he's in Oklahoma, and he co-created the Black Towns Collective to help resurrect black towns um in oklahoma and so that's dope yeah so we had we um we're having should be about an hour hour and a half conversation um when he when he lands and gets settled so 
I'm super excited to have that with him. And uh, yeah, it's a fun week, fun week plan. So yeah, uh, check. If y'all not in the Facebook, look up, to join the Facebook group because we post everything, everyone. Uh, it's pretty active. So till next time, guys, have a good evening. Have a good evening. Kiss that baby for me. Yeah. Peace, man. Peace. Bye, everyone. Have a good night.